Hello and welcome to Live Conversation on Alatra TV. My name is Olga and my co-host today is also Olga. Hello, Olga. And with great pleasure, we welcome two wonderful guests on Alatra TV. Joining us are Mr. Ildar Agish and Mr. Rashil Levant, who are currently living in the New York City. In an open conversation, we will learn more about our guests, about the Tatar community and culture, and about the creative society and importance of building it globally. We will also talk about information and how important it is to inform people around the globe about the project. And uh, Mr. Rashil Levent was born in China, who is now a civil engineer by profession and is currently an executive committee member of the American Tatar Association. Rashil, hello and welcome uh, to Alatra TV. We're so happy for you uh, to be here with us today. Hi, how are you? It's a pleasure to be here. And nice yes, to meet you ladies as well. Yes, thank you. And Mr. Ildar Agish was born in China, grew up in Ankara, Turkey, and later moved to New York City. Civil engineer by profession, currently involved in project development in Russia and Turkey and also a member of the executive committee of the American Tatar Association in New York. Eldar, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, it is a pleasure to have you on as well. Very nice to meet you. It's a pleasure to be here, thank you. And please tell us a little bit more about yourself so that we can learn a little bit more. Rashid, you wanna go first? Yeah, again, as you mentioned, uh, I was born in China and uh, we emigrated to Turkey after China uh, back in the 50s. And uh, in the 60s, we came to New York City and we've been here since uh, 1960 actually. So it, uh, for the better part of my life, I grew up in New York City. So I can call this my home right now. Studied and worked. And Very still. nice. Trying to work. And Ildar, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about uh, yourself. Yeah. Uh, Rashid and I basically followed very similar route as he indicated to us. Uh, he was born in China, like I was, but our uh, ancestors uh, were from Central European Russia. Uh, Penzinske Gubernia, which, uh, of course, over time <laughs> changed uh, somewhat, and uh, our ancestral lands are now in uh, Mardovia. Uh, my parents were both born in China, as I was. Uh, in the 50s, there was uh, basically emigration from Manchuria, where a lot of ethnic Russians, Jewish people, uh, Russian Armenians, Russian Greeks, and Tatars, uh, who had moved to Manchuria shortly after well, actually, before, during, and after uh, the two revolutions of 1905 and 1917. 
and they settled in Manchuria uh, initially, some of them elected to uh, move further to uh, Japan as well as Korea. Uh, once China decided to turn communist under Mao, uh, Stalin was of course on very good terms with Chairman Mao and all these ethnic groups that had been residing in Manchuria were encouraged to move back to the motherland, Soviet Union. Quite a few people took that advice and uh, went back to uh, the Soviet Union. Unfortunately, uh, most of them were not heard from ever again. Uh, we, Rashid's, in Rashid's case and mine, uh, we took a different uh, route and uh, we went to Turkey. Uh, Rashid's family came to New York before mine did. Uh, I grew up in Ankara. Upon graduating from high school there, came to New York uh, as luck would have it. Both Rashid and I uh, went to the same engineering school. We majored in civil engineering. Uh, we're very good friends, knock on wood. Our wives are very good friends. Our children are very good friends. And just as uh, an aside, uh, we go back several generations. Uh, Rashid, if you would allow me to, uh, Rashid's uh, maternal grandmother, may she rest in peace, and my uh, father-in-law were born in the same small village in Penza, Penzinski Gubernia. Uh, our parents were very good friends. Now we're good friends. Uh, our children are good friends among themselves. And our grandchildren are now very good friends, too. Wow, what an amazing story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. And also we know that the Tartar community is very close. So can you share with us what unites people? Rashid, you wanna take that? Well, of course our culture, you know, our, our language, uh, our religion, uh, we, we celebrate uh, all the holidays uh, with all our uh, Tatar friends. And uh, we share, again, again, share the same language. And we, we keep very uh, close friendships with each other, you know. In, uh, and uh, when we emigrated to the U.S., we, uh, most of us came to New York City and to the same neighborhoods, actually. So it was very good and easy to uh, kind of get together, uh, not just on the holidays, but even uh, on the weekends. And of course, we have the, uh, uh, as far as the Tatars uh, community here, we have the uh, picnics together and all our little functions, I guess, as far as the Tatar community is concerned. Yeah. So what are some of the traditions that are uniting the Tatar culture together? 
Well, uh, first of all, there is a Tatar association, uh, the oldest in the U.S., by the way, uh, that was founded in 1927, which to this day is uh, uniting some of the newcomers as well as old comers. You know, uh, Rashid and I have been here a long, long time. Uh, in his case, since the early 60s, in mine, uh, since 1970. Uh, of course, with the uh, demise of the former Soviet Union, uh, the floodgates opened and quite a few of uh, fellow Tatars from the Russian Federation, from uh, the Central uh, Asian Republics, even the Baltic states uh, immigrated here. And uh, we tried to bring everybody under the same umbrella, so to speak, in the so-called American Tatar Association. Uh, both Rashid and I are on the executive committee. Uh, it's a smallish uh, association. Uh, right now, uh, depending on whose statistics you accept, there must be approximately 3,000, 3,000 to 4,000 Tatars. Now, as you know, uh, there are Crimean Tatars and there are so-called Volga Tatars. We're in this latter group or also uh, referred to as Kazan Tatars taking the name from the capital of Tatarstan, of course. Uh, what unites us or some of the uh, characteristics uh, unique to us, let's say, to as an ethnic group, uh, as Rashil mentioned, you know, uh, certainly those of us who ended up in the so-called new world in the US or Canada uh, got together because we would like to maintain some of our uh, ethnic heritage, the language, the religion, the customs, the traditions, uh, the cuisine uh, and, uh, and the like. Uh, there is, Olga, to answer your question, a uh, famous, festival. It's a uh, sports, music, uh, cuisine, or culinary uh, festival called Sabantui, which is uh, celebrated primarily in uh, uh, those areas where Tatars are uh, residing in Russia, uh, in Ukraine, uh, in countries like Kazakhstan, uh, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, but also where Tatars reside in, uh, at the present time, uh, in the US, in Turkey, in uh, the Czech Republic, even in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, there are other holidays or uh, 
significant days special to us, like uh, the birthday of the most famous poet and thinker in uh, the Tatar world, Abdullah Tukai. And he uh, was born and unfortunately died as a young man of 27 in the same month, in April. So uh, it's customary to uh, basically get together the world over in the various Tatar associations uh, and recites his poems, uh, basically remember him uh, with a brief autobiography. Uh, and of course, there are religious holidays, which we celebrate or try to celebrate together. We maintain a fairly close relationships with sister organizations uh, in other countries, primarily Finland, uh, Turkey, Australia, uh, of course, the one in San Francisco, also a uh, sister organization. Now we're uh, glad to acknowledge that there are uh, sister organizations in uh, the two larger or largest Canadian cities, Montreal and Toronto. We maintain uh, fairly close working relationships with them. Uh, three years ago, our association celebrated its 90th birthday and we were fortunate enough to have guests from uh, various organizations I just mentioned. And there were even representatives from Kazan. Uh, so uh, everybody seemed to enjoy themselves. That's very nice. And actually, I want to share with our viewers how we got in acquainted, how we got introduced to you. Um, as you were talking about the sister organizations from Canada. On Alatra TV, we had Mirslo Arslanova on, and she was the one that recommended that we come in contact. So you know how close, how small the world is, that we're all connected and we can all know each other. And this is just wonderful that we got introduced and got acquainted. And she was also saying how close the Tatar community is and how wonderful it is that everyone connects from around the globe, as you just mentioned as well, um, that everyone comes together and celebrates, embraces the culture, embraces the traditions, and also teaches that to their kids and other generations. And that is, it's so important and valuable to learn also about other cultures. And we're glad that you can be here with us today to share this with us, because this is very valuable. We need to uh, you know, um, widen our horizons and learn something new. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned cuisine. That's always a good one. Yes. <laughs> 
Yes, and also today um, on the platform of Alatra International Public Movement, we have a project called Creative Society. And we ask all of our guests that join us about the project and the importance of, of building the Creative Society worldwide. And what is a Creative Society? So the Creative Society will ensure a decent life for people all over the world and eliminate fear of the present and fear of the future, which we see today. Provide uh, a future without wars, conflict, separation, uh, without hunger and violence, and also bring the modern society to a new level of unity and peaceful development. And uh, of course, this is something that we would want a society like that is something that we would want for ourselves, our kids. And today, in your opinion, how important is it to build such a society so that our kids have a better future, our grandkids have a future, and of course, hopefully we ourselves can live in such a society as well. And Rashil, maybe you can start. <laughs> sure, I think it's, uh, I, it's a, that's an important, I guess, goal and uh, being that the world has really become uh, very small, you know, uh, as far as travel is concerned and uh, uh, interactive uh, situations like we have right now, uh, you know, you can uh, talk to people uh, and you can see the other person and all that. Um, so it's much easier, I think, uh, to, I guess, um, yes, how, how could you say, uh, to pursue this goal, you know, because uh, somebody, let's say in Asia or Southeast Asia can see what's going on, uh, let's say in the United States. Uh, so, and somebody in the United States can kind of influence uh, their ideas and show what's going on. And uh, again, it's a more technologically, it's much easier to influence this world. And it's a very important facet, I think, in life, to have a peaceful life, because everybody has a uh, heart and uh, intelligence, and uh, we want the best for our kids and, and the best for our life. And hopefully we, uh, we achieve that one day. We're trying here. We're trying here. Yes. Yes. Thank, yes. thank you so much. Yes. Uh, go, go ahead, Ildar. Tell us uh, your vision of creative society and how do you see us build this world we can all be proud of? Well, I wholeheartedly accept the points uh, Rashil mentioned. And uh, it's important to have open channels of communication, not only in our own, let's say, community or in our family, but uh, thanks to the tech, modern, you know, contemporary technology, uh, we have the luxury of reaching across uh, time zones and uh, boundaries and uh, try to understand what it is that makes the other, you know, folks on the other side click. Uh, however, we also have to recognize the fact that uh, the same 
technologies that allow us the luxury of uh, maintaining these channels of communication open, in some instances, uh, cause different problems. For instance, Rashid and I, when we get together, we or our friends uh, in our age group, we reminisce about our childhood days. Both of us spent some time in Ankara and uh, even after coming here, uh, we had a, how should I put it, different childhood. How different? Well, we spent more time outdoors chasing after the ball, whether it be a soccer ball or basketball, right? Uh, of course, we didn't have uh, computers. We didn't have these jobs. So it was easier to go outside, run around, be active, uh, spend more time with your friends than being cooped up in your room, uh, spend time in front of the uh, TV set or the laptop, play games, okay? Uh, unfortunately, uh, sometimes uh, parents find it easier to uh, sit their kids in front of the TV set and uh, keep them occupied. Uh, yes, I, I agree. You know what? Like I remember my own childhood, and it was full of play. And I do, I do recognize having two kids right now. It's such a different childhood that we are offering them because we are too busy chasing, you know, the the jobs, the dreams, the what's not. But then we do forget that at the end of the day, we all human beings, and we really need to make sure that. We as, you know, as personalities, we develop into the best human being possible and that every day we have conditions to become a better person. So thank you so much for sharing that. And also yeah. that, yeah. yes, yeah. go ahead. If I can add something, you know, uh, I guess, uh, if, uh, again, Ilda, we've been fortunate to be living in New York City, actually. Okay, and I think it's uh, uh, nothing against any other city. But it's a, New York City is a different city, I believe. It's a, uh, uh, you know, when you ride the subways and all, uh, I call it a rainbow, rainbow city. <laughs> and uh, from that point of view, you know, you can, uh, uh, you can understand other cultures, actually. Uh, for instance, in the neighborhood that I live, we're completely mixed cultures, you know, so you kind of, uh, you know, when, you, when somebody, a Jewish person celebrates, you congratulate them uh, on their holiday and their next door neighbor. And uh, so it's, it's so nice, I think, from that point of view. And the, the fact that when the kids go to, our kids went to public schools all throughout, uh, throughout their lives until they, you know, until their professions. And uh, from that point of view, you know, it's uh, when they go to school, you see other cultures, the kids from other cultures. So you kind of start understanding what another culture uh, goes by. How, what, what, what does the other culture accept? 
so I think it's a it's it's a good way. You know, you, the the you're not uh, working with blinders. You're you're not studying with blinders. You see kids uh, from uh, other ethnic groups, so you kind of are able to understand how they live. So, uh, but uh, I, I think that's very important. And I think from that that point of view, I think New York City uh, has been good to us. And, uh, you know, I like Detroit as well. <laughs> oh, thank yeah, you. I, yeah, we, we've, uh, <laughs> we've gone to Detroit and I think Detroit, as you know, is also, uh, multi-ethnic over there it is in, in those areas you know and i think it's a beautiful beautiful city and you know beautiful country and you know i really like what you said because and that's what we kind of also talked about that it's so great to learn other cultures and to embrace oh, them and to you know you can celebrate if your friend is jewish or if your friend is you know muslim or you can celebrate more holidays you just I, go I, over I, to their house I, I and it's wonderful I sat, sat in on seders, you know, during the uh, Jewish holidays or Christmas, yes. you know, uh, uh, one of my very close friends, uh, as I grew up from Turkey, they're, uh, they're Christian, they're, they, they were celebrating Christmas and uh, I used to enjoy going to their home on Christmas. So I think yes. it's uh, very important to, uh, to accept and to allow other cultures to enter your life. And, and also that should not be something that divides us because today we also see a lot of division on those, you know, on that basis. And that is not true. We should embrace the difference. And actually we should, you know, be happy that somebody else can teach us something new and we can, you know, try different food, uh, learn different traditions. And actually, since we're on the topic, I also want to say that we studied volunteers of Alatra had a project called the universal grain where we studied all different religions, cultures, and legends to see mm -hmm. what is that one grain of truth that is in all the religions and all the cultures and legends of the world. And there is a great movie on Alatra TV, if anybody's from our viewers or if you're interested in, we took interviews with people from over 140 countries to see what unites us all and um, what is true love in the highest sense. And also, of course, studies all the you know um, spiritual books and everything. And mm -hmm. we um, realized that the universal grain, the grain of truth is the same in all religions. And regardless where you look, we're all the same and yeah, we should yeah. just embrace the culture and it's just so amazing that we know that we're people and as we also so talked about the internet it could be used for something good as we're doing right now we didn't even know each other you know we didn't see each other but today we can ha actually have a conversation about that something that matters about our future about the future of our kids and how we can make it better or of course we can use it to destroy and to separate and put something nasty on you know on social media or you know uh, post something else so it's i think it depends it's all in the hands of the user we can either use it to create or use it to unite. It's just a tool. And right. um, we can definitely make, so thank you both for making those points. They're uh, mm. very important. Yeah. Definitely. Well, every, everybody wants everybody wants a nice, peaceful life. And I think everybody uh, wants to embrace the heart, you know, with others. Yes. 
Yes, and actually also we would like to invite you, we're going to have a big conference on December 20th when people from millions of people will gather together and we will talk about the project Creative Society and um, how important it is for people today and what it is that, um, what it is, how we live today what we can do and how can we change the future. And right now, if uh, our IT team can please just show us a quick video um, about the conference on uh, December 20th, uh, we would appreciate it. It's just a two minute video. Every day we share a great amount of information this information forms our reality. Is this the way we wish to live? We need change. The change starts with us. With the information we share, consumer society leads us to death. We need a new vector of life, a creative society. It is up to you and me to build a creative society worldwide, where human life is the main value. Development of humanity is the main aim. Human safety is the main priority. Is it possible to build a creative society now? Yes. All we need to do is unite in one common idea. A creative society. People around the world are already acting share the idea of creative society with the whole world to make it a reality. Learn how on the unique international online conference, Creative Society, United We Can, December 20, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, live on Alatra TV. You are the one who can change the future. Rachel and Eldar, like this video has ended and it says you are the one that can make the difference. So what can one person really do to make sure that tomorrow we live in a creative society? Well, again, uh, in my humble opinion, it starts in the family. As long as you have uh, clear understanding of what each other's idiosyncrasies are, what their needs, uh, and you're ready and willing and able to uh, raise that person uh, from whatever state that may be keeping them down, all right? And then you take it one step uh, further, uh, go into a neighborhood, uh, town, city, country, and then countries, uh, 
it's a very idealistic approach, I understand, but uh, we each have a role to play in this, as long as we're uh, cognizant of what makes the other person tick and we're not uh, selfish, you know, we're here to uh, share and probably whatever. honest right honesty has to do absolutely absolutely how we yeah. do this yeah uh, but human beings being what we are you know uh, it's not always possible to practice what we preach so what conditions do we need to create in order for it to become a possibility to actually showcase our best human qualities? What are we missing? Well, we need to be uh, more accepting of our differences, whether uh, we're tall or short, fat or thin. Uh, you know, we're all human beings, uh, which makes it all the uh, more rewarding to uh, coexist uh, with uh, the point Rashil, one of the points Rashil uh, raised earlier, you know, uh, in large cosmopolitan areas such as Detroit, such as uh, New York, uh, maybe it's easier to overlook the differences because we're in these uh, melting pots, so to speak. But if I may uh, interject an important point and pay credit to uh, our traditional uh, homeland, Tatarstan, and particularly Kazan. Uh, in the 1990s, there was a uh, study undertaken by a group of Europe Western European countries that uh, came to Tatarstan and studied what made 100 plus different ethnic groups coexist in harmony uh, no, how shall, no struggles, no uh, major differences, whereas uh, in the same boundaries within uh, the Russian Federation, there were several areas where there were wars going on. So the uh, committee that undertook this study uh, published a report that commended the peoples of Tatarstan, whether they be ethnic Russians uh, or Tatars or Ukrainians or Jewish people, Azerbaijanis, uh, whatever, okay? What it is, what is it rather that makes them be ready and able and willing to coexist and perhaps uh, there are other communities, other 
towns and cities where people cannot coexist. You know, you're uh, kind enough to host two civil engineers. We're not sociologists, we're not psychologists or psychiatrists. So we're not in a position to address the very values that uh, people should have to be able to uh, readily accept, to unite, to understand, to forgive each other. That's basically the way I would uh, answer your question. No, I would agree with the Ildar as well. And, uh, you know, as, uh, as Ildar said, charity begins at home. Okay, and uh, with your home and your friends and your neighborhoods, uh, you know, you can't reach out to uh, people of other cities, but yet if you reach out to your neighbors, it becomes like a pyramid scheme. So once you're good to a neighbor or helpful to a neighbor, that neighbor in turn will turn around, may help somebody else that they know that's outside their home. You know, maybe with their kids that are living in other towns or cities. And in turn, again, like a pyramid that those kids will influence others. As far as uh, you just have to be good to others and you have to be honest, you know? I think that's very, and you have to be honest and truthful because you have to have a clear conscience in life. If that clear conscience is not there, you're not sleeping well. That's, yes. the, bottom, that's the bottom line for me. <laughs> yes, conscience, right? That's, that's actually very important. We always, uh, people always ask us, what, um, what drives you? Why do you do this? And we set our conscience and the eyes of our kids when we look into them and we realize that we need to build a better future for them. That's our motivation. That's our sponsor. And that's our drive. So yeah, you have to answer to them. You know, you answer. First of all, you have to answer to a higher power. That's number one. Okay. And then you have to answer to the people around you, to the world around you. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's my little simple take on life, I think. And, you know, today we see already that so many people are ready for change. They're tired of living uh, like we are right now and constant separation and war. They don't even know why we're, you know, why we should dislike the other side or why we're fighting. Everybody just wants to live in peace. And we did millions of interviews for the past nine years to see what people actually want in all the countries of the world. And I can tell you that every single person said in why way, one way or another that they want to live in peace. They don't want to fight. They want their family to live safe. They want to be happy. They want to have enough time to enjoy uh, time with their families on their hobbies or whatever it is that they're doing to actually enjoy this life because we only get this life once and we need to live it right. And what good is it that if we just go with the flow and uh, we don't make any better choices for ourselves and for our kids in this world, right? We should be the ones that are making sure. change so that the future generation not, can yeah, get even better. This is not a practice run. This is it. 
Exactly. So why not, you know, we should use it to the fullest to really prove that we are human beings and we can build a civilized society because it is 21st century and we should not have people, kids dying of hunger, people dying of bullets, anybody starving and trying to make it paycheck to paycheck because life is of highest value and we need to embrace it. We need to unite, as it said, uh, under one idea. So we're not even talking about uniting anything, you know, I don't know, our backyards or, you know, our cans or anything. We're talking about uniting in one idea and building a better world, sharing this information with the community and everybody you know, because this is the information that they're looking for, that there is a way out of this consumerist society. And we can build this future together and we can hold hands all together and say we did it for our kids. Well, in this present uh, world that we're living in, do you guys have pantry lines in Detroit? Uh, pantry yes. lines, yes. yes. We have people hungry, we have people lost they, jobs, uh, there's yeah. despair. They're, they're, blocks and, they're, they're blocks and blocks long, and it's just not one pantry line. So, you know, you have a number of them, and then you see people, and these are the people, these are the organizations, I think that really need the help at the present moment, you know, immediate. You have to, you have to I think, uh, also focus on the immediate concerns. Yes, and, yes, uh, of course. You know, once, and- once, you, once you don't have food on the table, you think different way. <laughs> Yes, and absolutely. We've talked to people about that as well. Then they're like, we don't even know what we're going to eat tomorrow. So until our stomach is full, we, you know, it's hard to us to even think of it. So it's, it's definitely a lot of problems in the world. And we have hungry a lot man. of smart people that can solve those problems. And we can hungry man is an angry man. What is hungry, it? I'm sorry. Hungry man is an angry man. <laughs> absolutely. And we have the resources to feed everybody. We just need to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for sharing. I know we went a little bit of overtime. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a really pleasure to meet you both. And it's so wonderful to hear uh, more opinions, more people. And uh, to thank you for sharing your culture and your traditions. It's wonderful to learn. I'm sure there's a lot more that we could have learned that we don't have time for. Um, and it was a real pleasure meeting you today. Thank you, for thank having you very me. much as well. We enjoyed it very much. Thank you for having us. And thanks to Olga. Have a good holiday season. Thank you, yeah. Olga and Olga, goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.